Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and um, unfortunately, Tony couldn't be with me today. My best bud, Tony, unfortunately, couldn't be with us today, but I'm super, super happy um, to uh, introduce you to my co-host, who's Katie May. Say hi, Katie. Hi. So this is Katie's first uh, podcast, and um, Katie, we got a pretty special guest on today. Mm, yes, we do. Yeah. Um, so you've done some reading about her. Uh, Oh, yeah, a lot of reading, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Is that that type A uh, personality? Uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so our guest today, she, uh, well, you know, we'll talk about the story, but uh, actually she wrote back in December when we were coming over the podcast, she actually wrote an article in behindthechair.com. And I reached out to her immediately and I was like, this, this, this is the contest content that our industry needs. So um, I asked her to come on the podcast and she's been incredibly, incredibly gracious with her time to, uh, to come onto the show. And since then, she's written about five or six or seven, maybe 10 other articles for Behind the Chair. So <laughs> this is a woman that has tons and tons and tons to give to our industry. I think, you know, I think we kind of introduce her. Um, today's guest is Lowe Wheeler from Orange County, California. Miss Lowe. Hi. Hi, how are you? Thank I'm you awesome. so much. Welcome to your day off. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Um, what's up, bud? How uh, how you doing? I'm good. Just no complaints. <laughs> Grinding and doing the things. That's awesome. Things. Where um, where, where are you from? I'm originally from LA County, and uh-huh. I've been doing hair for 15, 16 years now, and. I, my life took me over to Orange County where I've been living off and on for about eight years and I have a salon here in, in uh, South Orange County, San Clemente. It's about to hit its third year birthday. Yeah. And it's been really fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what, what, what got you interested in doing here? Um, you know, it's been an interesting journey. I've always been like a little artistic kid. I always used to paint Mm -hmm. and draw and all these things. And, when it came time for me to graduate high school, um, my parents are like, hey, listen, if you want to go to art school, you have to pay for it yourself. And so that kind of led them to, you know, say like, let's get you a trade. So what are you interested in? And I, I was interested in like makeup and in hair essentially. And so my parents took me down to the school and they're like, um, what seems to be the best fit? And so I originally went down to the local beauty school and I was more into the idea of facials and makeup. But when I saw the hair flying around the floor of the cosmetology (laughs) school, I was like, okay, facials are too boring, too low key for me. So I am liking when I see these hair models and mannequins and stuff. And so the rest is history. And I had originally wanted to go to art school, but once I got my sea legs in the beauty realm, I never looked back. It was like my calling. I became completely obsessed with it, started working at an amazing Aveda salon in the local area. And I just, I worked there and totally never looked back. So that's how I got my start. I thought I was going to be this artsy art student, you know, and and it just never my path never took me that way. I just never looked back after I found hair. So you just, you just found a new art, right? Yeah. It just totally satisfied that need, that artistic need in me. Well, I, I know the industry is uh, happy to have you. So uh, I'm glad you found your path uh, via, via the head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. 
That's pretty cool. Did you, um, so when you got out of hair school, did you do an apprenticeship or did you, uh, or did you kind of, you know, work your way through the, so, end of, I don't know. So interestingly at the time, my future boss to be, she was in skincare at the same school at the same time. Oh, and boy. she had her eye on all the new talent coming up out of the school. So she approached me and she's like, Hey, you need to assist my husband, which is like the main guy at the salon. Right. And um, she's like, I want you to come and meet him. And I went and interviewed and I totally, you know, had a great chemistry with them both as a couple. And I started assisting him for about a year. Uh-huh. And uh, the salon had multiple assistants, but I, I tended to kind of pick up on things pretty quickly. So uh, I like just took about a year and started growing my clientele and it was great. He was an awesome mentor. Um, he taught us a lot of really out of the box concepts. I remember this one class that he had, it was a haircutting class, but he mm-hmm. literally got all of the stylist clumps of clay and had us take a wire and remove all the bulks and turn this clump of clay into a perfect sphere and it taught us the concept of removing excess and to create a shape. And I never forgot it. And he was just like, he was a very, um, he was a very jack of all trades. He can cook, he can do beautiful hair, like gourmet meals. He can create everything. In fact, the whole salon was furnished with these like beautiful artworks. And I don't know, he was just like the best mentor of all times that I could have had. And he just made me realize that, Hair is an outlet and you can do so many things and center it around your trade. Absolutely. So I, I've always taken that with me. That, that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, anyone that can kind of explain the process, you know, from outside of like 45 degree angles. Well, and hairdressers are so visual, right? Yeah. It's Anything that you're actually putting your hands on or, you know, right. you just pick it up or feel it so much better. That's incredible. Have yeah, you, uh, he, he was very out of the box and it kind of helped me to think about like, what is it that I want to offer to people that assist me and how do I want to mentor? It was just a great experience. And I worked very hard for them for a long time. And, and until I moved away and created my own salon, I I didn't want to work for anyone else essentially. So it, he was great. The salon you have now, is that, it was that your first salon? It is my first and only salon. And I feel like it's been such a blessing to have it. I never wanted to be a salon owner. I just kind of arrived at a point in time where I needed a space to lease for myself and assistance. And we stumbled across this building uh, down the street from where I live. And it was already a salon from the (laughs) sixties. And, you know, when it comes to (laughs) <laughs> it was called the queen of the palace salon and it had it, it had shag carpet it had this oh like, my god carpet retro, i know you can only imagine like near the beach shag carpet and all this stuff <laughs> and uh it changed hands so many times and by the time i you know needed my own place uh the salon that was currently here um basically they went out of business so uh-huh. it kind of was like very fortunate and I actually found it from a hairstylist that was following me on Instagram. And she was like, Instagram's crazy. That's a whole nother thing. 
So she was following me. She's like, oh, um, my salon's going out of business. And my ears perked up and I'm like, I need to check out this place. (laughs) And it was down the street. And um, yeah, when we came to it, it was about 2,000 square feet. And that was definitely too big for just me. So me and my husband, we just looked at each other and we're like, I guess we're opening a salon and we should pop <laughs> some champagne. And I'm like, I think I can do this. And it kind of just presented itself. So I've just been on this crazy roller coaster of salon ownership. And it's humbling. Trust me when I say yeah, that. No doubt. Learn, learn what you're all about pretty quickly, right? Oh, totally. So with your branding, um, at least it feels like, you know, from the, from, from the East coast, um, are, are you a blonding salon or how did you, did, did, did you purposefully try to niche the, um, the salon? Well, it's interesting. Um, it, the span of my whole career, I didn't really have a specialty. It was a very family oriented stylist for 10 mm-hmm. years. And when it came to moving and adapting to my surroundings, I realized what is really a big hit in my area is definitely blondes, you know, right. Orange County equals blonde. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just kind of just was like savvy to that and I could adapt myself. And I, I think this boils down to five years ago, the biggest top um, hits were balayage techniques. And that was so right. trendy and so like in your face. And so five years ago, Right at the, you know, the apex, apex, thank you, of the trends change, uh, changing. Uh-huh. I had already ha- had my whole career in comfort zones and everything. And it was really at that point where I had to make a decision either I'm going to adapt or I'm not. Right. And so um, I went ahead and I pushed myself to take these techniques, learn them, master them as, as quickly as I could. When you sign a lease to a huge salon, <laughs> you make it work and you take it seriously. And you know so that. I decided at this point, I'm like, what would a smart business move be? And, and uh, so literally, sorry, I have my puppies here at the salon. Yeah, so then I had to just commit and I got a bunch of talented artists in here that felt that passion and saw what I was doing and, you know, wanted to be a part of that. And so it's been ever changing and growing and we've been more specialty and more specialty along the way. That's pretty amazing. I mean, anybody that can kind of, you know, take a niche market and create an entire, you know, um, business out of it. It's just, Oh yeah. To me, it's just, it, I, go ahead. sorry. Are you guys, do you just, just do blondes? So we kind of market ourselves as a specialty blonding salon. So whether you're a brunette, we can remove your pigment and keep your hair healthy. If you're a blonde, we can um, define and, you know, elevate your blonde. You know, we have, we have a few guys that come in. They're like our clients, husbands, and we definitely take care of people with solid hair colors and do base bumps and shadows and things like that. But as far as like what we're trying to project and market out there, it's those like specialty luxury high-end blonde services. And we do really well with that. And my team's really, really top notch in the area. So they're super, each girl is very driven and very um, cutting edge. And I try to get them all as much education as I can and support them 
in you, the you send them out or do you kind of bring education in? I'm trying to do it to where every single month we have a class. Our last year, it was kind of like every few months we'd have a class and then I would kind of pull them in and kind of put them through like a boot camp, sort of, so to speak. Um, but now since it's turned over into the new year, I'm like going to be more strategic with right. what their needs are, what they're asking me for, and kind of make it custom. So yeah, we have a great educational calendar this year. It's it's incredible. That's awesome. I mean, the- once a month is great. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Not too, mu- not too much, not too little, mm-hmm. right? But education is so huge just because our industry is changing all the time. Literally for the rest of your career, once a month, do, you would learn something new all the time. That's awesome. <laughs> right. And, you know, you stay on the trends and you stay mm-hmm. on the seasons and you stay on everything. That, that's awesome. Big kudos to you, Miss uh, Miss Lowe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So when you were setting up the salon, did you, um, so does the salon have prices or does, uh, or does each artist, um, do they set their own prices and, 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 and either way, how do you, how do you figure that stuff all out? You know, it's just been a process getting to define my business because it's, it's a young and unique business to my area. So what I've tried to do is put out what I think is right as far as prices. And if people respond to it, I let the response tell me the direction I need to go because it's one-on-one, right? Supply. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, you know, I've kind of varied my prices here and there depending on the demand. And so after ebbing and flowing with that, we found our range is between, you know, a starting point of blonding services at 145 all the way to like 350 ish. Uh-huh. And so we pull in on a lot of, we pull in a lot of clients with our lower price point, but uh-huh. once they come in and we, articulate what their needs are and kind of make a roadmap to get them to their goal. They're right. more than happy to spend all the way up to like $400. Wow. Um, and it's really, you know, our, our Instagram and everything builds trust. But when we bring in the new, new clients, seeing how we run our show and, mm-hmm. you know, the detailed consultation, then we keep their trust and, you know, trust is the most important thing in us. Salon. Absolutely. What what what's in your consultation? I mean, um, can you just kind of give us the highlights of? Oh, I could go off on consultation. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's crazy. I can do a whole hour just on consultation, but um, I think just give what us, works. Just give us the highlights now. We'll bring you back on for an hour of consultation. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that the main, you know, trinity of consultation is setting expectations, creating uh-huh. a transparency with budget, mm-hmm. and then setting them up for the future. So, you know, in what, when we sense, have, in what sense for the future? I'm sorry. In what sense? Um, like creating, I like to create a path for like the whole year. So, okay. If somebody asks me for a, a, like a really high maintenance blonde mm-hmm. and they show me this picture, I like to tell them, okay, like, this picture is going to require maintenance every single month. Right. Does that fit your lifestyle? Right. Or, you know, how often do you like to visit in the salon in reality? If they right. say every two, three months, I'll steer them in a direction of a more natural option that still has some of those colors that they're attracted to. Right. So it's just about customizing and being flexible and uh, understanding their needs. 
and what their hair is capable of doing and what's right right and so we have a lot of visual aids too like i have on my website a must read column on my website it's Uh like please all clients please this is a must read before booking an appointment and it all goes into like you know what to expect when you're you know coming in for a blonding service uh, uh low uh what's your um let's give a shout out to your website real quick what's uh can you give us that oh yeah absolutely it's uh wheelerdavis.com okay just in case any of the uh, listeners want to check out what those must reads are and you know maybe adapt or steal some ideas from low <laughs> oh I, I love it in fact i i have a re- really great page on policies that I encourage people to just copy and paste to their own sites all the time because as salon specialists we're dealing with chemicals and we're dealing with people's expectations and hair is an organic material and you have to protect yourself because people's expectations don't often you know fit reality and if hair gets dry or something people have to know that they're putting chemicals on their hair it's not just like back in the day where it's just like, Oh, one gloss, people really want aggressive lifting services. Sure. And uh, I can just go off on that too. Cause I think with the age of Instagram, it, it has skewed the public's viewpoint of reality right. in their hair. Absolutely. And so people come in and they're like, want to come to the salon once or twice a year, but they want these sophisticated aggressive treatments and they want to walk out with just virgin feeling hair. (laughs) I can't even tell you how many times I have a client bringing me a picture. I'm like, so there's probably like three filters on this just so you know. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Clear is not a shade of blonde. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think clear is not a shade of blonde is the name of this, uh, this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So we just have a, a lot of different, you know, things, especially for new people coming out mm-hmm. of school, the bar is pretty high, you know, and now that you can view stylist portfolio. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down. So when you say the bar is pretty high, that's pretty high. A new hairdresser has to be in their game is what you're saying. Like I they, you know, there's, not, there's not, there's not much room for, you know, learning or whatever, because, you know, Instagram is, is the, like it's your it's your profile or it's your 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 portfolio. portfolio. Well, portfolio. yeah, it's your portfolio. It's, it's your business card. But unfortunately, now you're competing with everybody else's portfolio as well. Well, it's your first impression, and that's that's your number one referral. So it's like before you could call your local salon, and you know, uh, as a client, you could be like, oh, you know, what's the what's the closest Aveda salon or what's the closest Tony and Guy near me, and you're as a client connect with a brand. And then when you call the salon, the receptionist links you to someone available to suit your need. (laughs) And so you, you go off the referral of the brand and the receptionist. Right. And then if you're an awesome stylist, you get, you get all the referrals and then you retain them. Right. And so that's how it's been for years and years and years. You know, you go to a great salon, you get referrals and then you retain. But now it's like 2012 changed everything. Absolutely. Because 
now people aren't necessarily defaulting to the corner salon or they're not on default requesting like, okay, like where's a Tony and guy or where's the nearest Aveda salon. They're looking for, uh, amazing artists on Instagram and they're checking hashtags and they're looking at Yelps and they're they're looking for those visuals. If you have a great portfolio and there's like five pictures on it, good luck. There's not a lot of trust there. Mm -hmm. Or if you're putting out uh, very general content and you have hundreds of posts, there's not a lot of attraction there, but you have to show consistency in your work and you have to show new content regularly to earn trust and that's your first that's your first um your first what's that called like impression and so people will drive an hour to see you if you have a stellar first impression Uh, so I think that's just that that's a whole new ball game and I think you know for new stylists everyone wants to be Instagram famous these days and you know, start off specializing and it's just really, really a new challenge for the newer generations. And I think it's a challenge for salon owners because they don't know what to do with all these balls too. And that's a a whole nother thing we could get on for a short one. (laughs) Kind of the way that I think about it too, is that if you're a young hairdresser now and, and, and you do all those steps that you said, that your, your client growth can happen literally overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, so like where it's a challenge for a lot of people, it can also be, you can be a mega star, you know, now you have to have the talent, right. But if you have the talent and you have the follow through or the, or the wherewithal of, um, of how the, uh, how Instagram um, is working. I mean, it, it's not going to take you two, three, four, five, ten 10 years to build a book. I mean, you can do it just like that, you know, so that's a great advantage too. Where Absolutely. I, it, I'll tell you, Five years ago, four years ago, uh, when I moved from my clients, when I moved my business from LA to OC, I had to start over. And at this time, I started my Instagram, and it, you know, I had like maybe you know fifty posts at that time. Mm-hmm. And I built a solid clientele in about in about a year. Bravo. And I know, but it was like solid, like double booked. Right. Um, and then now that I have my own salon and we do a lot of support on social media and we run a lot of advertisements and we do so much in that regard. Um, some of my new stylists are like well booked out in advance and they've been on the floor for nine months, brand new stylists. Wow. And incredible. like what it takes most people three years to cultivate can be done now in nine months if the right pieces are in place. Sure. Um, that being said, it could be bleak if you don't have those pieces in place because you need to make a presence on some level mm-hmm. um, as a new person coming out of school. So I think, you know, at all the trade shows and in school, they're just constantly telling people, bombarding people, um, stylists, you need an Instagram. This is how you use it. This is a tool for you. And it's literally in your face at all the shows and every education. There's a wealth of there's a wealth of information on using it as a tool. And if you, if that is ignored, it's kind of like to your to your demise, you know. And um, if you're not doing it, somebody else is, right? And they're exactly and looking for exactly. the same clients. So the same clients are looking for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just curious. You um you do 
hair behind the chair. You, um, are you, I was reading in an article that you did for the behind the chair, um, about a lot of your stylists maybe only do one to three clients a day versus a normal, like six to eight person, Mm -hmm. you know, client day because of the blondes and what you guys are doing. What, what Mm -hmm. personally do you do? I have been adapting. Like if you, any question that comes up on this, this podcast, I'm going to just go back to, I'm adapting always. So when I first, when I first um, opened the salon, I had a assistant and I would take uh, about six, seven clients a day. And then as I started developing my team, I started doing more like two clients a day and they were more extensive and I stopped using my assistant. And then now I'm consolidating and condensing and giving away my clients so that um, I can pursue different opportunities outside the salon that don't take the opportunities away from my team that's growing. So um, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm thinking of all of these other opportunities to teach and get some content together. And I realize that I can't fully give away every client because that's my content too. So Mm. I'm trying to reset, get uh, give all my clients a new stylist to take care of them. And then in a couple months, open up my books in a totally different way. So I'm developing it right now to reset mostly my clients' expectations because my clients are used to me like babying them and loving them and spending every ounce of time and energy on them. And if I totally switched up without resetting, they'd be like, Hey, wait a second, it's different now. And uh, so for everyone's benefit, I just need to give everyone away and then open up my schedule with true intentions and say like, I'd love to see you, but it's going to be under these circumstances and wow. kind of evolve. That's actually pretty smart. I mean, if you yeah. can do it, if you can shut down your book for a few months and then, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, guess who's back. Mm-hmm. Guess who's back. <laughs> Back again. Yep. <laughs> Mo is back. Mo is back. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to you about a couple things. I mean, it, I mean, you said that you're always, I don't know what word you use, but we'll use evolving or, you know, whatever. So, I mean, you went from, you know, working in the salon and then again, these great articles, these great business articles that you've written in um, behind the chair. But I just saw, or I guess I saw a few months ago, you have a, uh, like a salon clothing line. You want to get into that? Oh, absolutely. It's so, it's so exciting because I feel like as being a stylist for so many years, seeing that change from, you know, being offline to very online where stylists are now showing so much of themselves and being vulnerable and saying like, Hey, this is me. Come see me. Like, this is who I am. This is the work I do now more than ever. Stylists are like, thinking about how they look and how they feel and what, and what empowers them. And I think people are trying to be a part of a community. And um, so thinking about this, Salon Apparel Line is called Salon Culture. And we've launched a series of denim aprons to start with. And they're really cute. They're really fashionable. They make every outfit look just so elevated and so just thought out. Mm-hmm. And um, the genesis of this project really happened when I opened my salon. I had one of my girls had found in her own denim apron and 
it was just so popular. Everyone wanted one. And I was just like, this is so genius. She looks so amazing every day. I'm like, why isn't this a thing? You know? And so we looked and looked and looked and it was just very impossible to find like a nice way to have a consistent kind of like work apron for my salon. Cause I wanted everyone to have it. Right. And so, um, it was interesting, you know, the, the lack of that. And as I started to travel and go to all the hair shows, I started to see this as a big hole in the market because when you walk the floor of a hair show, you know, the things that you expect to see is technology, uh, new, inspiration and education and all these things. And what I was noticing is with like the capes and the drapery and the salon, quote unquote, salon apparel, it was just very dated, very kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I've been in the industry for 30 years. I don't think it's changed at all. You know, it's been exactly the same for as long as I've been in the industry. And, you know, here we are all this new technology. The only thing that's changed, and we talked about this last night, the only thing that's changed in 30 years that's awesome is, uh, is bleach-proof towels. Or certainly... Uh, Amen. <laughs> you know? Amen. So, you know, you, because back in the day, you either had one or two choices, either dark towels with orange spots or, <laughs> or you had white, white towels. towels with brown spots. <laughs> you know, those, <laughs> those were your two options. So, you know, dark or dark towels with... Uh, that now uh, can hold up to bleach. Hey, can you, uh, I wonder what that technology is for the, uh, for the bleach proof towels. Is that something that you could put on your apron or on your, on your, on your like uh, denim uh, cover up? Absolutely. In fact, we are doing some sample testing to get that technology into our products. Wow. So um, There's no promises yet. Of course, it's very un- unofficial, but that's definitely something that, you know, a, a common question that we've been asked over and over and, you know, we like to respond to what people want, you know, and basically like all the, all of our aprons, um, they have such high quality, um, high quality cotton and high quality dye that, um, they're, they actually hold up amazingly well without being color resistant treated. Mm -hmm. So I was actually really impressed with them as they are, but that has certainly been on our radar and we kind of have this, Thing on our website that says like, Hey, you know, wear this thing out, give, give it some battle scars, you know, show, show that you're in it and committed and let, let your apron have character. Right. And if, if you're the type of stylist that really wants it to be pristine, like we have care tips. It's funny because mm-hmm. like my palest um, apron, it's called Saint. It's like a light kind of like boyfriend jean material and it gets really dirty, but it's funny because I've found this like life hack where I just mix up 30 or 40 volume blonde me by um, Schwarzkopf and it takes everything out of it and it doesn't discolor it. And I just throw it in the wash and it kind of comes out really like squeaky clean. It's So you put like the, uh, the blonde me in the wash with it? No, no, no. I, I, let me rephrase. I spot treat my apron oh, got it, got it, with blonde me. That's with blonde me. And then I just let it sit for like 30, 40 minutes. And then I throw it in the wash and then it comes out like totally clean. Well, it's I, know like, you, I know you have a big fan right here with Katie. So uh, <laughs> when, when Katie goes to buy her uh, denim cover up, where, right. uh, where, can, <laughs> where can she find that thing? 
So our website is shopsaloncultureculture.com and um, I'm I'm reworking the website and we're going to be coming out with some really trendy t-shirts and hoodies and just like really cool things coming up soon. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That launch is going to be coming up pretty quickly here. That's pretty exciting. And how much how much marketing with that are you going to do? Are you going to do online stuff or do you, do you foresee you opening up like kiosk at different hair shows and stuff? I think there's tons of potential. I think we're like so new that our objective is to just create a really beautiful online portfolio Mm -hmm. to beef up our website. I'd love to work with my network of friends that are educators in, in the industry and make sure that, you know, they, they've tried our products and are wearing our products and, and let it kind of grow organically. Right. Um, I think that the shows are great it's just such a specialty item that takes a long time to create each denim apron batch takes about six weeks to hand make in LA are you serious so so we've been doing pre-sell and we sell out batches at a time and while we're selling through a batch another batch is being made six weeks apart so in until we get our demand to where we want it to be in our um Basically, uh, until we get the following we want and the eyeballs we want on us and the attention we want, can we up our batches? Show and them. so we're, we're not at a place yet to show at this year's trade show. Right. I'm thinking next year, like we should be able to bump up our volumes. It's just, I'm like a really, I'm a really safe spender. Like I won't spend money or go, I won't spend money that I don't have and I won't go into debt. And so basically we're kind of just saying like, okay, who believes in this? Who wants it? We're going to kind of make small batches handmade to the people who want it now. And we just take it very slow. I'm, I'm very much so like that in all my businesses, like my salon, I bought everything one day at a time and like now my salon's fully furnished like mm-hmm. three years later <laughs> i'm just like i like to take risks but i don't i don't like to rush or get myself into any crazy situations so I mean, that, but i'm really excited a lot of people are are receiving and responding to mm-hmm. salon culture really well and we made back our initial investment in like two weeks wow so it was just like really there's some really cool um, response to it, and so we're really excited to see it grow. So, if we were to if we were to um, if we were to buy one today, do, would we uh, have to wait six weeks for delivery? Or no, not not per se. So we we've kind of divided up our batches into the three different colors, and so every six weeks we have you know some inventory, but once it sells through, most people have to wait like two to three weeks before the mm. next batch comes. Um, so it's kind of like, and we're very like transparent about why we're pre-ordering because they're right. custom made to order. And basically, you know, when you buy into our brand, you like the quality, you like that we're made in LA, not overseas. And mm-hmm. um, we've partnered ourselves with a brilliant company, a brilliant nonprofit charity, uh, cut it out. And so when you make a purchase, you're supporting a charity that's salon oriented. And so it's kind of like the people that believe in our brand want more than just to look good. They want to 
you know, support other hairstylists and kind of see a bigger picture. Right. We talk all about that on our, our website and our platforms, our charities and our quality and things like that. I certainly see that it's more the trend now um, with hairdressers supporting hairdressers. Again, I think, you know, kind of Instagram opens that up to uh, now we know who people are. Now, you know, now, you know, Justin in, um, in Boise, Idaho, because of Instagram. You know <laughs> Justin's a real person, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> He's not one of those fake people. Okay. A couple really tough questions, like um, three to be exact. Let's make sure that we get to them. The first one is, um, how do you, do you have techniques to um, knowing your worth as a hairdresser? Like how do you set up your prices or, or. Absolutely. Um, I think definitely it, it boils down to a few key things, experience, uh, demand, uh, locations, a factor. If you're a new stylist and you, you are building, you want to take into consideration where you live and what's the average price that salons are charging for services you want to provide. So you start there with the average. And then as you build up every, hold on, hold on. So, you know, just to make it real super practical. So like when you reach out, how big is your, your window? You know what I mean? Like if, uh, are you, are you moving out like the top salons within five miles or what, what people are charging within 10 miles? Like what does that window look like? Does that make sense? Sure. I would say the surrounding like four cities, I would do your homework. And I, for new stylists, I, I tell them like, hey, like do your homework, look at all the salons in your area, especially within, you know, a couple blocks and then also a couple cities. Because okay. that, that gives you information sure. what those services are going for. So what they're going for in Orange County is going to be different from LA and Beverly Hills. And it's right. going to be different, um, you know, in Arizona. It's going to be different in Utah. So um, I would just do the research of what the average is and then have that be your starting point. And so what I think makes perfect sense is when you're building your clientele, you have to be competitive. When you have a clientele base, then you, if you're booked out for consecutively for three weeks at a time, then you can start to raise your price. And then, so three weeks is your, that that's your base. So when you're three weeks out now, we can start looking at or discussing how to raise your price. This is actually a great segue because that was my second question. Like one, um, how do you know when to change your prices? And two, how do you go ahead and execute that? It's all about communication. When you're talking to your clients about execution for the three weeks, you just have to pay attention to your business. So if you're working for somebody else, you talk to them about your goals, say like, Hey, you know, I'd like to talk to you, uh, managers or salon owners about my goals as a stylist. If you're working as an independent, you have to pay attention to your business. Are you three weeks booked out in advance? That means you're in demand. So that means people want the services. So that means that you have to in turn get more control over your price point. Right. So, um, when you hit that goal of being three weeks booked out, you do a 10% price increase for your clients across the board. And then all new requests, you start them at a 20% price increase. Ooh, so that's you said, really smart. Dang. I mean, 10% to 20% for your, for, for, for your new guys. So what that kind of does um, 
is when you give your clients a 10% price increase, you naturally shed about 30% of your book. And that makes room for the people that are willing to pay 20% more. So then you start to have a balancing. So you get a little bit more time on your hands, but then the people that want to come in and pay higher prices, they'll start to fully book you out. And so then you continue with that process. That's a great system, actually. You know, and that's, that's a system that's always moving, right? And you're always pushing towards that. that that's just really, really, really smart. Um, cool. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad it's helpful because it's something I'm working with my team right now because mm-hmm. I feel, feel like young people, especially they're goal oriented. They, they want a lifestyle and they want to be a part of something. And, you know, if the business gives them goals, then they're, then they're on track. That's incredible. That's it, it scares me. <laughs> really? Why? Why does that scare you? you know, I think it probably is a confidence thing. Like, I always I'm terrified when I'm raising my prices. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think it doesn't have to be a scary thing because you can always communicate with your clients and set them up to value your worth. So if I was starting to raise the prices on my clients, I can turn it into a positive because if you communicate with them and say like, hey, you've been with me for a long time. I would like you to celebrate you know, my success with me. I'm going to be offering you to stay on my books. I love you. It's going to be a 10% price increase. I want you to know everyone that's on my wait list to get into my schedule. They're going to start at a higher price point. You know, this is where you have the opportunity to partner with your clientele and say like, I value you. New clients that haven't seen me are going to start at a much higher price point. Let's meet in the middle. And then you can always offer them, you know, added value by saying like, you know, I'm going to honor our current price this time. Next time it'll be this much. And say like, to make that really a special thing, I'm going to do a conditioning treatment for you because I really appreciate you as a customer and, and your loyalty and your referrals. That's awesome. That's really great. All right, Lo. This is the backroom talk that happens in every salon. One, what's the criteria? What's Lowe's criteria for firing a client? And two, how do we execute that? Oh, that is, uh, that's a million dollar question, my friend. That is a million dollar question. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, different ideas that surround this because I think it all starts with the question, Why? Why would you like to fire a client? I think my personal criteria is if a client repeatedly Mm no-shows, then I can terminate that relationship. Or if they blatantly disrespect me or belittle me, like irrationally impossible to please. Because there's Mm -hmm. a difference between picky clients and like irrational, like where Mm -hmm. there's no logic to them and Mm -hmm. you you cannot ever be on the same page because they don't respect your expertise, then it's not a good fit. And then, uh, I'm sorry, Lo, um, just to like jump in here. I mean, I kind of have a, a little rule to this and that's if I see them on the book and I start to get that anxiety that oh, I, yeah. that, that I know it's time to terminate, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I always do, but I'm saying like, that's my goal. Like, 
you know, we got to get past this because this just isn't fun anymore. And mm-hmm. so it's part of my career. It's, it's less about, you know, what I'm making day to day and more about, you know, living an easier lifestyle than, um, you know, forcefully putting myself through torture. Sure. Sure. I, I definitely appreciate that. I think like any client that makes you dread them or, you know, certainly like you don't want to like have clients make you cry, which it happens. Right. It happens in the salon. Like more often than you think, like clients steamroll over a young stylist or, you know, so I, I think that those are definitely my fireable, fireable offenses. <laughs> yeah, we'll and um, I think like, it's, it's interesting though, because if you have, you know, a solid clientele base and, you know, you're at a certain point in your career where you don't need to see new customers, then by all means, like be selective as you want in regards to new stylists that work for another salon where, you know, they're they're a commission stylist per se, or they have the structure of salon supporting and flowing them clientele. Uh, They don't necessarily have the same luxury. I worked for a amazing commission salon and I did not get to pick and choose my clients. I didn't have to get along with them. I was there to provide a service and, you know, build my livelihood. So I think there's a, there's a balance because having a high ego and saying like, Oh, like, you know, I don't want this client because they're annoying or they show up late or like they're kind of picky and they like inconvenience me. Stylists have to like have an ego check because that's not a fireable offense. A client can add, one client could add thousands of dollars to your in total of your year. Mm -hmm. And so, you you know. Actually, let me slow you down there because that's exactly kind of how I uh, I think. I actually, and Katie will tell you, I have a client that no shows all the time, but her her end year money is so big that like, here's the deal. Like she's bringing me like 10 grand a year, right? So like when you go to all these, like when you go to all these hair shows and stuff, they're always like, here's what you can do to increase your income by 10 grand a year, right? Like, especially when you're a young hairdresser, you know, do this step, do this step, do this step. Well, I'm not really in a position where I want to be like, well, I know a way to lose 10 grand a year. (laughs) (laughs) So we've come up with an agreement, me and this client, but, um, but absolutely like she was so hard to fire. She is so Mm -hmm. hard to fire because of that. And the truth is though, I mean, is that I love her when she's in my chair when she shows up, you know, which I think comes down to a lot too. If I didn't care for her or if, you know, she did annoy me, again, not in an ego kind of way low, but um, then I probably wouldn't be as open to uh, keep her on. But I'm certainly not going to um, turn away 10 grand a year just because my feelings are hurt. Exactly. Uh, I think that's an important point. No, I was just going to say, I, um, for me, I think something that was difficult is I literally worked for one salon pretty much my whole career until two years ago, I went out on my own to do booth rental. What has been difficult for me is I was always by the salon rules. Like I have to hit these targets and I have to do so much before I can raise. They would act, you know, help you with raising, with talking to the clients and all that sort of thing, which is great. But now being on my own, I still kind of track everything and I know my numbers and that sort of thing, but it's definitely like, oh, okay, maybe it's time. Maybe it's not. I don't know. (laughs) It's a lot harder on your own, you know, to, to figure that step out. So I think that's actually been kind of from a new stylist and growing that way. And then, you know, into what I am now, it's, I don't know. I feel like it's been a little more difficult that with that. I think the bottom line is, you know, especially, especially important for, I want to say the millennial stylist is to 
have gratitude, be grounded, work hard and be grateful that you have any clients Mm -hmm, because it's, it's tough out there. There's like new talent popping up left and right. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, you just have to stay grounded and, you know, work hard and appreciate each client because each client, whether you like them or not, whether you have anything in common with them or not, they have the potential to get you so many more customers or totally sabotage you. Right. And if you are a little Yelp effect, right? Yeah, the Yelp, <laughs> the Yelp effect. effect. Yeah, like if you if you you know start to think that people clients are disposable, clients will freaking sabotage you. Sorry, you know, and it, it only takes one or two to tell everyone else that they go to church with, or all their high school friends, or all their mom single mom groups. It only takes one or two to be like, oh, I tried this person, but, you know, they were kind of snooty or they were this or they were that. And then guess what? Like you get a hollow, you get your books will hollow out. And it's it's Mm -hmm. an ego check. You know, when you've been in it for a long time, like you realize like, doesn't matter like how cool you think you are. Like there'll be weeks where everyone falls off your schedule. And right. you realize like, oh, shoot, like I need to pay for my gas in my groceries. <laughs> like I need to chill out, you know, and right. I think that's real life. That's real, real life. You know, like you can't just you have to have a little thick skin. And, you know, we're in the service industry to provide service. We our business is serving others. And, you know, you can be the most incredible, talented or you could have 100,000 followers. It doesn't matter. You just have to have gratitude for the work that you have because there's way less fortunate people out there and uh, it's all attitude, you know? I read somewhere too. I can't remember where it was. Um, It said that someone's more likely to share a negative experience or, you know, something negative than they are something positive. So if you have, you know, they have a bad experience with you, they're going to tell a hundred of their friends. They have a good experience. They might only tell 10. I think that's a marketing rule and how they came up with the rule is that like the average wedding or it might be a hundred people, whoever, whatever the rule is, Mm -hmm. but you know, they took what uh, they took the average wedding and how many guests there were and they took the average funeral and they, and how many guests there were. So what that does is that Thank you. (laughs) That shows you, um, that that was my coffee straw. (laughs) That shows you exactly how many people an individual touches, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that's how many people that they can reach. So um, with that marketing role, to your point, you know, um, if they're that's two hundred fifty people that can get like, meh, that was an all right service, or eh, that was a bad service. Um, but on the same time, if you if you give them an outstanding service, then you know that's also two hundred fifty people or whatever that role is, or however many people that is. That um, maybe it's one hundred fifty. That sounds about right better right you know that that, that's how many people they can reach so in in fact when you have a client in your chair there's a potential of 150 uh different um sets of ears that uh, can also hear that wow that's so powerful that is so powerful and i just know for myself it's just i i've been in it for it feels like a lifetime i know like (laughs) to a stylist that's been doing it for 30 years or whatever they think i'm like kindergarten hairstylist, but (laughs) I just feel like, you know, clients will shed themselves anyway. You always have to be proving yourself. You're only as good as the last head of hair you touched because clients' circumstances are going to change whether you are the best person in the world or not. Like they're going to have their car break down. Their their jobs are going to take them to a different 
favorite city. And so clients are always cycling and ebbing and flowing. Even if you're the most incredible person in the world in, in technical hairstylists, you, you have to be on your A game and you have to treat every client like, you know, your main focus and top priority and number one opportunity, even if they're annoying. Even if you have nothing in common, even if they're like have bad breath, you still have to make them your priority. And I think that's that's business one on one because, in my opinion, business is relationships. Doesn't matter if you are dealing with a huge business like a huge company like Cosmoprof or Behind the Chair or whoever. Like it's all relationships. Your client tell business it's relationships. Right. And uh, I think that's super important. And I'm I'm never in a hurry to fire anyone. Um, I want to say in the last three years, I've fired like one client. <laughs> I think you had asked me how how to go about that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so um, yeah. on, on my <laughs> website, <laughs> on my website, there's like my policies. <laughs> I kind of like outline client behavior and etiquette on my website. Oh, that's smart. That, you know what? That's genius, right? Mm-hmm. That's like it's almost like a contract. Like this, this is the contract. Oh yeah, it's, it's an or if you come to uh, Will or Davis Salon, like this is it's like manners. It's like, like manners. You're gonna come into my salon. This is how you're gonna act. <laughs> exactly. I like that. It's manners. Sure, it's <laughs> that should be the title, right? Salon manners. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like I I thought of that because I had some circumstances where like you know I had some independent stylists renting booths and they had they brought some crazy clients into my salon and. They did not have prop appropriate uh, etiquette and there was some weird situations that happened under my roof. And I'm like, okay, how can I deal with this? And so I'm like, okay, I need to create a client agreement of what the standards are for this lawn. And so uh, on that, it kind of says what we first and foremost expect is common respect. And it's our priority to show each and every client courtesy, kindness, and respect. So in turn, that's what we expect from our clientele. And that's our first and foremost priority. It's a, it's pretty detail-oriented, but if I needed to fire a client for any reason, I would send them an email and say, like, thank you for choosing us as a salon. I have a really eloquent way of saying it. Um, I can't draw it to my... I can't I'll paraphrase it. So let's put it this way. Um, Thank you for joining us at our salon. We really value you as a client. However, our last visit or visits didn't coincide with our clientele contract or agreement. Here's a link to that page on our website. And for these reasons, we cannot continue to offer you future services, but we wish you the best of you know, best wishes. (laughs) And then, you know, of course, you know, it's super well-written, but no one wants to get that email. And so there's always like haterade coming through the other side of the phone or whatever, but (laughs) it's just like, (laughs) I'm stealing that haterade. Did you coin that? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) I wish. Corey, you're really showing your age right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but I'll tell you like a real life scenario that really happened in my salon. I had a, a, a great client. She is willing to spend whatever money on her hair. You know, she, she, um, 
she just was starting to become such, such a nuisance because she started to really just suck the whole salon's energy out because she'd come in like it's, you know, like her show, like her world, we're just all fixtures in her world and stuff. And, you know, her hair, she'd always kind of scramble and uh, rush us and to do her hair and stuff. And so it just kind of became like, you know, that anxiety that you were talking about, like when this person's name showed up on the schedule, we're all all kind of like, you know, anxious. And so I just told her, I'm like, Hey, listen, you know, like we appreciate you as a client, you know, I think because our salon, we don't at this time work with assistants to best service you. I believe you need to find a stylist that works with one to two assistants because you have a lot of hair, uh, hard to lift your lifestyle. You have children. You need your salon visits to be two to three hours, not five hours. And to better suit your lifestyle, I believe you need to find a stylist that works with assistants. So here's some referrals. Let's go our separate ways. Like this is, I've given it a lot of thought and I think this Mm -hmm. would be truly best for you. And so that, that was kind of my way of firing her in a really diplomatic way. But of course she hated it. (laughs) She's like, how dare you? I wanted to spend my money there and like all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's not about money. It's about what's right for you and what's right for us, you know? And at that point, it's a broken relationship anyways. What are you going to recover? Oh, sure. Well, it sounds like you handled it as positively as you can, you know, as as best as you can. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's real. It's real life, you know, like. I I always like to speak in metaphors. You can't bring your car to the car wash and get auto body work done, or you can't go to the auto body shop and then get, have them detail your car. You have to really have a nice fit for the, you know, what you're trying to get out of it as a client. And then the salon has to be able to provide that for you in, in a practical way. And her, her service was becoming very impractical for everyone. So I, I don't know. That was just like a one real life situation, but I know there's so many other instances where we could go on and tell horror stories about firing clients. <laughs> well, we don't want to do that. We just kind of want to um, graze over it. I mean, it, I think it's something that, you know, as hairdressers, we struggle with, but, but like you said, it happens, you know, once or twice, you know, in a five-year period. So um, just if we could, I, I think we gave somebody, you know, a, a way to do it or, or a good way to, I actually like the email way, you know, yeah. it's kind of, I don't think it sounds too impersonal, but it's like it it it, it avoids the blow up, right? So, well, it's yeah. business. It's like if you send somebody a text message, it's it's still very personal, and people are going to take it personal. If you send them an email, it's like very corporate. Right. And my my advice is, if you're work for yourself, have a business email, have the policies on a website for your personal business, and mm-hmm. if you are a commission stylist and your salon doesn't have this on their website. Just uh, put it in the um, suggestion box and say like, hey, you know, hey, owners, like I really heard this like great tip. I think this could be something really beneficial for the whole team. Like, Mm -hmm. please consider doing this. And like this, here's a website that you can draw inspiration from. And uh, that's all you can do. Yeah. I I would go about it that way. That's that's really good advice. I, I, I like the three topics that we wanted to hit today, um, which we really focused on, you know, which was, uh, what know your worth, right? Mm-hmm. How to uh, increase your uh, your prices, Miss Katie? How to increase your prices, Miss Katie? I'm working Mary? on it. <laughs> scary, Ooh, that's scary. And the last one is like you know when all that when your clients fail on you, 
you know, how to, how to, uh, how to let them go, you know, in a diplomatic way or as, as diplomatic as you can. So um, I have a couple more questions for you, Miss Lowe. And then uh, right now, what are you obsessed with? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, that's a great question, Corey. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm obsessed with TED Talks. I really am obsessed with TED Talks. And uh, I'm uh, looking for inspiration um, on that level. And like, I, I think it helps me with my behind the chair business too. Because you get all kinds of different clients in your chair and, you know, sometimes you're like, have something arise in your conversation. And I always like to kind of pull out my Ted talks. I'm like, Oh, you would love this one Ted talk. Let me send you the link. And it's about technology or design or innovation or, you know, um, psychology and different things. And I feel like, like when you try your best to be, expanded as a person you you can relate to more people that way and so i kind of geek out on that do you you ever position yourself as the expert you go i heard this on ted talk i sound really smart right now because i do that constantly (laughs) oh yeah i i like to i like to make referrals for sure i'm like constantly (laughs) trying to like you know like hairstyles are people pleasers number one and like you want to like have something in common with everyone you you touch and meet and I like to share recipes. I like to share TED Talks. I recently started to in- include a lot more um, like healthy, you know, healthy diets into my daily life. And I love sharing that with people. Um, You've been posting about some of that too, right? Like some of your, oh, yeah. some of your food stuff that looks delicious. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I made it, I made it a highlight on my page for a month or two. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not a food page. <laughs> I'm like, stay focused, stay focused. <laughs> oh, stay focused. And now I like have like a, a highlight on my Instagram uh, outfit of the day. And I'm like, I'm going to take that one down too. I'm like, okay, I just need to focus and just think about <laughs> what I'm doing here just to get too passionate about so many things. So yeah. Well, it's good that you bring it back, right? I think that's called being a hairdresser. I think think that's all of us, right? There's so many, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We can't focus in one spot. No. I don't think it's the way our brains work, right? No, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. All right, Miss Lowe. Well, we're going to wind down a little bit. And, um, you know, just thank you very much. Thanks for coming on on the show. And uh, thank you very much for joining us on Your Day Off. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And it was so great getting to know you guys. I look forward to doing this again. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per, percent with a... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. And so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity cares. <laughs>